This time on episode 342 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 7, Episode 9, As I Have Always Been, Weekly Marvel News, and your feedback. I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, July 23rd, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast... Timeline-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Gorgeous Grandma's Day. That seems a wholesome day. That's nice. My grandmas are dead, so. Mine too. Now, in the National Day calendar, I would have gone with like Vanilla Ice Cream Day. I think that was another one that was today. But listener Adana Girl reached out. And she said, you know, I looked ahead in the calendar on July 23rd. It's going to be gorgeous grandma day. And since Elizabeth Henstrich directed the episode and she is Deke's grandma, this fits her to a T. You guys got to do it on the podcast. Oh, it did not occur to me until just now. That was the reason why. That is the reason why. Also, by the way, I don't know if I said this on the podcast before. I don't know if it matters or not, but I was actually born on the same day as my maternal grandmother. Oh, my one grandma, my mom's mom made candy and stuff like that. But my dad's mom was not like that. She's the one that sat me down around the table and taught me, okay, now this is how women, how got the right to vote. This is feminism. This is racism. This is what happened during the civil rights movement. It was very interesting having one grandma who made candy and cookies and the other one teaching me about the cold, hard facts of life. Well, that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool pretty that cool. you got the cold, hard facts of life from a family member. I mean, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. One of my grandmas died before I was born and the other one tried to, like we used to watch Golden Girls and Unsolved Mysteries together and she tried to teach me to play cards but I was really bad at shuffling and I could never remember the rules. So thanks anyway, grandma. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. My, my grandma who caught me, that's another way she taught me about the cold, hard facts of life is she taught me cards. And then when I turned seven, I think it was seven. She finally sort of like, she stopped letting me win because I was old enough. And then I remember when the first time I won against her, like I think Jen she immediately took up the cards, shuffled them, and said, like, well, let's see if you can do that again. That's awesome. My mother, who is obviously a grandmother, has this uncanny ability to win like spectacularly 
with cribbage. You cannot beat her playing cribbage. So it's always the kid's goal to beat her playing cribbage. She's tried to throw games before and ends up winning. She tries, but she's got the golden cribbage. She should go into that for money. I need to tell her that. She <laughs> needs to make some money there. Anyway. How do you know she's not? Yeah, I don't know. Well, All you know, those they live- uh, underground cribbage circles. <laughs> They live in the Twin Cities, and there's the Mystic Lake Casino up there on the um, Native American Reservation, and I think they have cribbage tournaments there. I, I'll have to ask her if she's played it. Anyway, on with the rest of the show, because we need to talk about Elizabeth Henstridge. <laughs> Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel cinematic and comic book universes in general. Because of Time Loop Whodunits. If you'd like to talk to us about Time Loop Whodunits, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can also let us know your favorite Time Loop Whodunits at our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can tell us about your favorite Time Loop episodes on facebook legends of shield podcast you can link us to clips from your favorite episodes on twitter at legends of shield you can watch us talk about this episode on youtube youtube.com slash gonna geek you can tell your amazon device to enable the legends of shield skill and remember legends of shield is a proud member of the gonnageek.com network this is the start of the final five episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Only four more left after this. You ladies ready to talk about it? Yeah. Yes. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 9, as I have always been, more on that later, was broadcast on ABC last night, Wednesday, July 22nd, twenty. 20. Lauren, who directed the episode? As mentioned before, this episode was directed by our very own science baby, Elizabeth Henstridge, who has two directing credits starting in 2020, this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and a short in post-production right now called Air. All right, Michelle, who was the writer that made Elizabeth Henstridge shine? This episode was written by Drew Z. Greenberg, who has 12 writing credits starting in 2001, including six episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, three Smallville, five Star Wars The Clone Wars, eight episodes of Warehouse 13, six episodes of Arrow, R.I.P. Arrow, and 13 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. showrunners for season seven and for the entire series, our husband and wife team, Marissa Tankeron and jed wheaton all right ladies the title of the episode often is the theme of the episode and more importantly it was the event of the episode in a wonderful time loop episode as i have always been i'm going to take a first shot at this as kind of a serious shot so as i was hearing this on the show and the entire thing wasn't said by the way because enoch never made it to the last word as I have always been, reminded me so much of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Spock's death, as I have always been your friend. And I thought that it was from Dickens, because they were quoting a lot of classical literature in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, 
I don't know if it is or not because I have not been able to find it. So I'm going to have to accredit it unless I hear something else directly to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. They did a variation of it, and Enoch is so Spock-like that it was an amazing homage to everything going on. I thought it was great. Ladies, what did you think of the title, As I Have Always Been? Lauren, let's start with you. I think you're on to something. Yeah, the, the line in Star Trek II was, I am and always will be your friend, or something like that. It's been a while since I've seen Star Trek II. But Enoch is this character who's very reserved by the fact that he's not human. He's an artificial being. He's constructed. He's like a Cylon, basically. But as we've established in other things that have, hey, what is the measure of a person kind of narratives, whether it's Vision in Marvel, the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica, Hal in 2001, it's always like, when we make these things smart enough, when these things become smart enough, do they also gain emotional intelligence? Do they gain self-actualization? And I don't remember where I was going with this, but Enoch, Enoch's a friend. So Michelle, as I have always been, we often equate the title of the episode to the theme of the episode. I've laid out what I thought, and Lauren kind of backed me up there. Do you have any other things, maybe the Daisy uh, Souza relationship there? Or what do you think of the title? I think the Enoch part is part of it, as I have always been. I think it also can apply to Colson. Colson is working through who he is, and he's figuring out, as I have always been, this person, the those two with Colson and Daisy having that sort of relationship it's like they have always been this way that father-daughter sort of situation you can apply to Sousa as I have always been there for people who are like Daisy and getting a crush on them and liking them and we got a little kiss from it I do think the Enoch part of it is the big thrust of it but I think there's some other things in there as well so you brought up the kiss. I got to talk about the kiss because poor Susa, I don't think he remembers the kiss because it wasn't in the final loop. No, no, I guess not. Daisy will remember it, though. Yeah. And I guess that's what's important because she could care less about lemons. But that kiss, oh, <laughs> that's something there. I mean, I guess it kind of takes some of the terror of asking somebody out out of the situation if you know if they're going to be inclined to say yes. Okay. Time loop episode. Never had it before in the show. We had it now. First of all, I got to bring up why. Why? So they fixed the time jump drive, yet they still ended up in the singularity. How did that happen? It was never explained. It wasn't fixed. They thought they fixed it. And then they jumped within a jump. That was explained. They thought they fixed it. And it was one of those things. Hey, we fixed it. And then all of a sudden they jumped and then they jumped within a jump. So no. They thought they did, but they didn't. And hence, we got a time loop episode. Yeah, it's like you think you fixed one thing on your computer that was causing a problem, and it turns out, oh, this was a minor problem. It wasn't the big problem, though. So I think that's kind of what it was. That I can go with. I can also go with the home repair thing, thinking you've 
done a little patch and it ends up needing a new wall. A time drive isn't exactly a can opener. There's so many parts. There's so many things that can go wrong. I feel like it doesn't really make sense on shows whenever it's it's just one thing that's gone wrong because you and Haley, you're both technical types. You know all the various things that can cascade in failure. Yeah, we can. We also know spaghettification. We know that, or at least I know that because I watch a lot of science programs on TV and I'm very, very interested in the event horizon around a singularity. So that's basically what was going on here. So it was great. And I was looking at our live tweet stream. I tried to go to sleep early last night because work's been a little terror right now. So I wasn't able to pay attention to the live tweets. But this morning after I watched the episode, I went back. You actually used spaghettification in our Twitter stream. I did. I also like science. I may be more of a biology person, but space is cool. I'm married to somebody who does space stuff. It's cool. And I remember years ago listening to an audiobook. I think it was a Neil deGrasse Tyson book. And he brought up the term spaghettification. And I remember just being there in the lab thinking, that is one of my new favorite science words. Uh, there's also another word out there that's pretty popular in my office called phenomenology. But huh. yeah, it, it, there's a bunch of different science words. For those listeners who don't know what the word means, could you define it? Spaghettification? Yeah, SP, you take this. All I know is it's something horrible that happens when you get close to, you know, the event horizon of a black hole. It has to do with the theory of relativity. As you get closer to a singularity where gravity and time start to do strange things, you end up pretty much not knowing you're in this ball forever because time slows down, yet your mass is getting stretched out. So that's what's called spaghettification is your body. If you were headed towards a singularity, your body would stretch and stretch and stretch until uh, it would be consumed by the singularity. And we don't know what happens with matter after that. There's a lot of theories, but we just don't know how the energy and matter are actually saved in the universe because we know it can never be deleted. It just has to be transferred. And there's a whole bunch of science that deals with that. But a singularity, a black hole, if you will, is the main thing that this comes up with. And the event horizon is the little bit of space that's right around a black hole. That's where the spaghettification effect takes place. As far as phenomenology goes, basically it's anything in science that you're trying to describe like spaghettification. It is a phenomenology of the theory of relativity around a black hole. Why do Colson and Daisy remember and nobody else does? I mean, they explained it on the show, but did you guys buy it? I mean, it's as good as anything I've heard. Because plot? It makes sense. First, yes, because plot. Second, Daisy is in the healing pod and Coulson is powered down. I thought it was hilarious when she powers him up for the first time. And he's just like, what we think is for the first time. And he's just like, oh, my goodness, you remember to power me up this time. We've done this like 88 times already. <laughs> I'm like, that's fantastic. 
The one thing I thought about is if he wasn't powered down, if he wasn't in that sleep tube, that recharge tube, uh, kind of like a Borg recharge thing. And it's the first time I thought of it that way. Anyway, it's his Roomba dock. Yeah, there you go. It does because it's circular. It's a Roomba dock. Yeah. So if he wasn't in there, I don't think he would have been able to help Sky on the way, Daisy, on the way through this whole thing because he wouldn't have remembered. And because he was powered down, he remembered. So, okay. Yeah. Like the other, I was thinking about it yesterday. And at first I was like, oh, it's because he's an AI. But then again, Chronicom's also technically AIs and Enoch didn't seem to remember. So I think it does have to do with him being powered down. Now, Sousa was sleeping. He wasn't in a tube, but he was sleeping and he didn't remember anything. Yeah, but he was not in a science tube. (laughs) Okay. Like his brain is still kind of the way that I've been thinking of it. When you're asleep, your brain is still working. Maybe like Daisy's brain was protected or sort of short term protected because she's the one that, you know, she remembers, but only for stretches of time. And then they have to start over. I think it's shielding her brain from some of it. But then the fact that she is human and it can only be protected so much kind of resets her. It's really interesting if you ever have the opportunity to use or see somebody that has used a sleep app on on their fitness tracker, like an Apple Watch or a Fitbit or something like that. If you see the cycles that a person goes through in wakefulness, heart rate, and everything else, breath rate, that's interesting. If you ever go through a sleep study, which a lot of us older people end up going through that because you know we're not sleeping well and we need to figure out why that is, kind of the same thing, except for mega information there. They do blood ox and stuff like that. If you've ever been unlucky enough to have to have like a multi-day long EKG study, it tracks your brain. Your brain's doing things all the time. And it's so uncomfortable. I've had to have several in the past few years. And you just got your wires glued to your head and the stupid tape squeezing your head. And you can't really sleep that well because the stupid wires and everything are there oh so annoying so annoying let me get this straight this started a couple of years ago right actually it started right around 2008 because they thought i was having seizures oh 2008 i was gonna say if it's the last few years then we could blame michelle because she just started <laughs> podcasting with us in the last couple of years unfortunately i did not know michelle at the time okay but uh she might have known me i don't know we'd have to go back in the records for that I didn't know it was right around the time I did meet you because when they thought I was having seizures, they put me on a weird seizure medication. It had a strange side effect because, of course, it did. I couldn't listen to music, so I started listening to podcasts. That's what brought me to the podcast that brought us together. All right. So maybe, well, it's not me because it was it was afterwards. So I can't take the blame there for this one this time. Anyway, one of the tropes of a time loop episode is the take a loop off sort of thing, which Daisy does and she solidifies her relationship with Sousa all in the effort to really find out what's going on to try to solve everything because she was at wit's end. She didn't know what else to try. Sousa ends up helping her. My question is, if you take a look at the countdown 
to the distance to the singularity. It starts at 94 kilometers and then it gets way down to one kilometer. And you kind of get the essence that it's three kilometers and, and growing as it goes down in distance from the singularity. I find it really difficult to believe that they had, and I haven't done the math of how many loops that she was through, but I find it difficult that she had the time to take a loop off because unlike other time loop things, they were on a clock. Okay, here's the thing. It's not like Zari in Legends of Tomorrow where she takes the time and she goofs off and all that type of stuff. It's That's not the loop. She took a breather in order to strategize with Sousa about what to do because she was moving frantically and everyone had all these thoughts. She took a loop to talk to someone who knows how to strategize. Sure. He doesn't understand time stuff, but this is Sousa. He's been through a lot of things. He was right there with Peggy Carter. He's shield guy. He knows strategy. He understands how to take multiple variables and try to figure things out. And he comes up with the plan to full Enoch those couple of times. And it actually works. So for me, she took the time loop off not to goof off, but to actually strategize. Agreed. Burnout is real. And that's why I kind of let it go a little bit. But again, I think they took a liberty of we only have so much time. And then near the end, you had so many loops that I think it was beyond as close as they were get. Of course, who knows what the science is? Deke brings that up. He has no idea what the science works there. So one loop could have been five kilometers. Another loop could have been half a kilometer. So I can't say exactly how much time there was there. Anyway, you brought up Sousa. So let's go into Sousa. He's always there. He's obviously into Daisy. Daisy gives him that kiss that he can't remember. And more importantly, as you were saying, he's not only strategizes, but he takes one for the team because he's like, no, wait, if you die here, we're going to lose some time. So let me take this scanner and see if it's okay. And he dies. Enoch has sabotaged it. He dies and that affects Daisy a little bit. But more importantly, Sousa's man enough that he's going through this loop one at a time. He's not got a memory. So this is who he is for those two minutes the entire time. He's that kind of guy. And yeah, I think he had a great episode. So they've really brought Sousa into this team. I think maybe at a detriment to some of the other people on the team, but Sousa is really getting his due here. I like seeing him again. This was very consistent with his Agent Carter characterization where he's, again, he's somebody who they're like, okay, I'm not the leader. I'm not the person necessarily with the ideas, but the person who is, I'm going to be there right behind them, backing him up. And also that seems to be his type. Can't blame him at all. Michelle, you okay with the Suzy characterization and, and everything? And you're really into the character here? Yes, I think they have done him justice. It's interesting how he's been able to maintain who he is through all this manic time travel stuff it's just really great seeing him and considering what he and daisy have been through i can understand it's not just sudden i can understand his interest in her it's been growing the entire time and her type or his type 
that he likes. I think he described it well. And when he was describing it up until he got to the superpowers, you were thinking, yeah, this could be Peggy Carter here as he's describing it. Unfortunately, this episode was a little light in the Mac, May, and Yo-Yo. But since just last episode or was it like, yeah, just last episode, they had a focus on them. I, I think that was okay, but they were just relegated to deck pieces, really, as you went throughout. You didn't even really get to see a lot of great fights. There was insinuation of great fights. You just <laughs> never got to see the great fights as they were fighting Enoch, which apparently Enoch can take the whole team out because he's enhanced his capabilities. Well, we know that. Okay, so end of last season he's talking about oh i'm gonna go to all the other sociologists or whatever they were xenobiologists but then we find out that their programming has been changed to hunter killer so he has that potential in him with regards to mac yo yo may you don't want to overstuff an episode too much i would have also loved to see what was going on with them but because they aren't the ones who have the memory of what's been going on they aren't supposed to be the focus. I also really loved those little hints of fight. Like this, despite that the episode ended with me in tears, this was a really funny episode. Yeah, the one with the big fight. I mean, you had the one fight, you know, with Daisy Colson getting beat, and then you have like the whole team where Deke dies. <laughs> it's like <laughs> poor, poor Deke. Deke. Should we feel bad that Deke dies? Yes, yes, you should. They say no, but yes, they you should. They say no because ah, uh, they're just going to come around for another cycle. But yeah, it's kind of that rule of threes for comedy. It, we see it escalate three times. First, it's Daisy Colson. Then it's Daisy Colson. I forget who else. And then finally, it's everyone. Except for Yo-Yo. I don't think Yo-Yo was. Yeah, that. because she was up like on a in different the deck the whole time. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was so incredibly funny. I Again, Elizabeth Henstridge, you did a good job directing it. Drew Greenberg, you did a great job writing it. We got the balance of humor with just absolute pathos. It was great. It was so great. Simmons directing this. Simmons. Uh, Elizabeth Henstridge directing this it was interesting and i would love to talk to somebody I, I wanted to reach out to a couple of actual directors that i knew that have acted as well how that works behind the camera when they're in the scene because elizabeth was in several of the scenes several of the major scenes actually and i'm just wondering how that works as you're actually shooting when you're acting in the episode as well i mean there's probably a second set director or something but no i don't think anybody was credited so i'm just wondering how that goes Okay, so she would set up the shot and everything. And of course, when she's done, you know, rolling, she would cut. You have a first assistant director and you also have your camera operator. She would have already planned out what the scene is supposed to do. She would have, they would have known what the blocking is and the pacing and all that type of stuff. So once that's set up and she does action, the camera operator, you know, combination with everyone else, that's how it's done. Another thing that happened in the episode with the character Simmons was she got the memory, Diana, the memory block taken out of her. She named it Diana. And she told him how to solve everything, which unfortunately ends up with Enoch sacrificing himself. But we'll get to that in a second. But she ends up almost bawling. She just breaks down and she can't verbalize what it is and then the loop resets and diana is back in her head 
So we never find out what that is. I'm speculating that Fitz is dead. Okay, that dead silence you hear, on my part at least, I don't know about Michelle, is um, horror at a thought that I was not letting myself think, and I'm still not going to let myself think it. No. No, he's not dead. He could, I mean, either that or Simmons has done something atrociously bad or something, but I'm, I'm thinking that Fitz is dead, and that's maybe why we really haven't seen him. We're going to see some flashbacks. According to the IMDb, I'm heard we're going to see him next week. We'll see. But I think something terrible has happened to Fitz. And I think that's one of the reasons that the team in the future is not going to be together. I think the teams are going to be together because, as Enoch said, that's what happens to family. Sometimes you have to actually... Since we're, since we started with Star Trek, sometimes you actually have to accept the promotion and get your own ship. Yeah, people like this was such a good. OK, I've been watching this documentary on HBO called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Really good. But one of the things in it is it's kind of the search for a serial killer is kind of a microcosm of the human experience in general. You have somebody who dies like basically in the middle of a thought as she's writing a book and the people around her had to take up her mantle, finish the work for her. And with this, it's people who have been here for a purpose and it's not maybe necessarily, oh, you're going to die. Oh, the world's going to end or something. It's just, yeah, like Michelle said, your purpose at this point in time is done. It's time to move on. It's time for, I don't know, Colson seems like he'd be a really great grief counselor at this point. I don't know. But I feel like they're going to be ending the series with that we have grown so much together and now we move out in the world to do our own things. Yeah, I think Colson deserves to actually become that history teacher in real life and maybe write a couple of books, maybe about FDR and that'd be nice. Some of the characters that he's met in the past. Well, we'll see what happens there. We're going to end with a couple of more heavier subject matters. And one is Enoch. I mean, we've been going all around it. This is classic Whedon-esque storytelling. You've made us care about Enoch. He was left behind not once but twice. And you were thinking, oh, is he part of the team or not? He's got a solid character. He was drawn in and part of the family you were talking about. He ends up betraying the team, not to his own fault. And then he has the self-sacrifice death. I should have seen it coming. We should have talked about it on the podcast in the last eight episodes but i didn't see it coming and then it happened i'm like oh of course the wheatons did it it reminded me a bit of like all those kid and the dog books that i read growing up you have the it's kind of old yeller let's take old yeller as an example old yeller is massively underappreciated by the main character for a good portion of the story something happens This kid's like, oh, you saved me. Oh, I love you so much. And just when you realize how much this entity means to you, they're gone and they're gone saving you. And you have a little bit of that here. It's again, it's a classic story trope. It's I want my family. I'm going to make the sacrifice and let my family go on. But 
I've felt for a while, and I think we've talked about it before, that they had been taking Enoch for granted because, again, he's a robot. He's from the future. He wasn't there since the beginning. But he's been here long enough for us as the viewers to look forward to seeing him, to find him funny, to find his observations kind of heartbreaking. And knowing that this character who we've come to appreciate, who we've felt bad for because he wasn't being appreciated enough, he's still, I I was thinking of joking at the beginning of the episode, oh, he's getting revenge on them for leaving him behind so many times in the past. But that wasn't it. Even that betrayal was to save them. And just without even thinking, he pulls out his own heart and gives it to them. I mean, the symbology is heavy handed, but it's still really good. I have to admit, this had a lot more meaning than when Wash dies in Serenity and then even Tara and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Those two just sort of just came out of nowhere and it really didn't have any sort of like gravitas to it. I know in real life, death happens, but when you have characters and you're doing storytelling, you do want some sort of meaning every once in a while. And this had meaning. Agreed. It's something you saw Jed and Marissa doing with Spartacus, too. I mean, it's a show about gladiators and rebellions. People are going to die. But they make sure to make every death have a purpose. Whether it's what a guy who's only been there one episode dying horribly to show the characterization of a different character and the stakes have risen. Or towards the very end, one of my favorite characters dies. And again, not only is it historically accurate, but it shows how much more personal that the fight has become. And that's something that I think really good literature will do. It's, yeah, death is in real life is random. It's meaningless a lot of the time. But the advantage of a medium like books, comics, movies, TV is you can make the deaths have meaning. It's not about, you know, just twisting the knife in a character. Oh, anyone can die. All the readers are scared to love a character. It's about we are building to an emotional payoff and this character has a purpose. I thought it was a great story to I, I don't want to take anything away from it. It was great watching it for the first time. It wasn't spoiled when I watched it this morning on the elliptical. And I was wishing that I hadn't gone to sleep early last night and I could have watched it on the couch and and had a good cry before I went to bed (laughs) because, yeah, that that was something there. Although I will leave this subject on a little bit of a happier note. The original Enoch in the timeline is still alive and out there. So since they're time traveling, they could do the same thing as they did with Fitz and go back. Now, this Enoch's not going to have all the memories of the team or anything. But Enoch is still there as long as they're still time traveling. So just think about that. They might not go back and meet him or use him or anything, but he's still there in the background. More so than I'm watching over you from heaven sort of thing. He is literally still there on Earth. Robot heaven. Is it different than the actual heaven? I mean, I've heard like pets have souls and they go to the same place. So I'm not necessarily sure. I don't know. I've never been. Yeah, that's true. We'd have to talk to Colson about that. Which, <laughs> talking about Colson, he's had 
quite the season to deal with his situation. Think of yourself having gone through everything that he's been gone through. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're basically a robot and you don't know what's you, what's not you, what's programming, what you might be missing from your original personality. You have no idea. And he's been dealing with that whole thing. And he brings up something that I hadn't thought about is now it wasn't his choice. He's living longer. He's probably unless, you know, he dies again and like finally dies like Enoch did that he's going to outlive everybody and he's got to deal with that now. He's been the one that's been dying. He hasn't been outliving anybody. Now he's the one that gets to outlive anybody, everybody. And, and that is a very, very deep subject that they talk about in Enoch's final moments. E- in Enoch's final moments, he's helping Colson there. I thought that was fantastic. It was very touching. I personally would not have much of a problem with being a robot First of all, better joints. And second of all, I mean, we are basically organically organic machines. We're programmed. Our genetic code is literally just a blueprint that tells your body what proteins to make in which order and how to fold them. The way that people think, the way like there's patterns to it because we're all based off of the same template. So really, how it's not that different. I mean, it's a matter of degrees, I guess, from being a robot. And if you don't know you're missing something, it's the Flowers for Algernon. I guess it's the Flowers for Algernon situation, except that Coulson doesn't know if he's missing something instead of knowing that he is. So who knows? I think he should just chill out. He can't really control it at this point. But then again, I've never been a robot, so I don't have to deal with the existential angst. Heavy subjects dealt with in this episode in the fun mannerism of time loop episodes. I love time loop episodes. They're my favorite episodes. I just love them. I, I don't know why, but I, I just there's usually some science fiction in it, and you know, there is character development, and uh, it's all great. This was the first of the final five. There are four episodes of Agents of Shield left out of the. 100 plus episodes out there. There are four left. The next one is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episodes 10, called Stolen. I'm looking forward to this, especially since there is... I got some backdoor information on what one of the characters might be, and it might be a relation to one of the favorite Season 1 characters. Yes, I will not spoil anything. But there is something with next week that I think everybody is going to love talking about on Thursday night next week. In the meantime, we have some news to talk about. Let's get with it. We have news about movie delays. So Comic-Con at home is going on this week. It's at home because if you're listening in the future, plague. But in any case, news keeps coming out. And two bits of news about delays. First off, we have them saying, hey, Falcon and Winter Soldier has been delayed until Shrug. Originally, it was going to premiere in August, so next month. And that's not happening right now. They 
the production got interrupted. Along with that, we also have delays in release for Black Widow, which has been moved to November 6th. And Eternals has been moved to February 12th, 2021. We'll see if those happen. We'll see if they're in theaters or streamed at home or both. It's all a big shrug right now. I'm very curious as to if they're going to keep these dates or not. It will be interesting if they do. I don't think they just my speculation right now. And this is just SP speculation. This is not official word from anything, but I'm just not seeing. If you look at that timeline, you look at what's going on in the United States right now, even with the precautions that they're starting to take right now, I just don't see this happening unless they go direct to video. And I don't see that happening with these. I've talked about it before that they want those big box office numbers. So we'll see about Black Widow and Eternals as far as Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of thought that production was delayed along the way. So we'll see about the series as they go. We're very fortunate to get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this year because they did it last year and they put it in the can and they had everything ready to go, which was great. I'm also worried about Wonder Woman and everything else coming out this fall. People need entertainment even if they're only at home i just don't know if they're going to be going to the theaters to see stuff and i don't know what the capabilities of the studios are in order to get production completed maybe it's been filmed but it's not completed production and post or anything i'm wondering how much how long that's going to take just a lot of unknowns right now i was pretty sure when people had the optimistic look of late summer early fall that it just depended how the summer was going and the summer is just not going great for outside events here. So eventually we're going to get this stuff. It's going to be great, but it might take just a little bit longer to get there. Speaking of a little bit longer, this dropped from the Comic-Con at home panel for New Mutants today. New Mutants is still planning to open in theaters on August 28th. I don't know if that's going to happen. I watched this and I loved how the footage was like it showed like its first date and it scratched out and then the next date and scratched out. Oh, it's a good panel. It was a good panel to watch. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. At least it sounds like they're having a good sense of humor with it. The article that I linked doesn't have any information on if they're going to try streaming at home as well. And the Comic-Con at home panel also has towards the end of it the opening scene of the movie. I'm interested. I'm just also not pinning all my hopes on it being in the theaters on the date that it says it's going to be. I don't know what theaters are going to be open at that point in time or if they deem it worthy enough to go ahead and release it. I have no idea. And I worry about the health of the movie theaters, too, the economic health of the movie theaters. We'll see Yep. what happens this time next year. I will go a year out and I will say a year from now, we will know how this all plays out and we'll just be in reaction mode between now and then mm-hmm. yeah that's that's it uh this movie is cursed i don't know we'll see if it happens and that's all the news we have this week we'll get into the feedback We have some feedback this week. First up is Andy Mingna at Andy Mingna on Twitter, who says other favorite time loop episodes, Legends of Tomorrow, Here I Go Again, Season 3, Episode 11, Person of Interest, If Then Else, Season 4, Episode 11, and my personal favorite, 
Stargate SG-1, Window of Opportunity, Season 4, Episode 6. I could probably think of several other time loop episodes out there. I mean, the Star Trek did several and, and everything, but I'll have to put together my list of favorite time loop episodes because they are my favorite. So I'll, I'll have to go look at all of them and put together a list, probably 10 or 20, but I could be mistaken. Maybe it's just five. We'll see. We also have from at Adana Girl, I think we found the purpose of motorcycle number three. Hold up Daisy and LMD Colson after Enoch whipped their asses. And she quote tweeted a picture from Whedonesque.com or the Whedonesque Twitter account that's Colson and Daisy with the beat up makeup leaning against the motorcycle. Yeah, he, he did not like that <laughs> as they're talking about Enoch there. <laughs> and yeah, and maybe, maybe, and the motorcycle is definitely older, but maybe it's a little Lola ask and that it actually can fly and stuff so it's really a futuristic motorcycle instead so you know how season one ended with lola them flying off in lola the series just the series period ends with them flying off on a motorcycle like the end of greece they would probably like to do lola but they can't because they sold lola off hard to and difficult to blame them a classic like lola really deserves to be in the hands of a collector that's going to treat it right because old cars need a lot of maintenance especially something that's in pristine condition as lola actually was so i don't really blame the show especially since they thought they were ending in season five but lola was great when we had her so yeah i was gonna say we also have an email from 084 i'm just gonna read some highlights this was my favorite episode of the season so far. Amazing character development for Colson Bot, Enoch, and Daisy, and amazing character moments for the rest of the cast. Something to keep a little bit more, something to keep in mind is that Daisy has quake powers for about four years, including weird time skips and jumps the show has made. So as of 1983, Malik, Nathaniel Malik, has had his for seven years and counting. So technically, he is more experienced. That is a very good point, 084. Simmons breaking down when she got her memories back has to be a tease for a heartbreaking flashback episode whenever it comes. We discussed that a little. I refuse to believe that Fitz is dead. Yeah, following these characters so far has been such a treat, and I'm going to appreciate these last four episodes without bringing myself down with nitpicks. Excellent. SP tried to have a couple of nitpicks in this episode, but, you know, the ladies shot me down, as they always do. <laughs> there we go. There was also another feedback that I want to talk about right now. It was a Twitter poll that we put out earlier today. No idea who posted it. Probably Haley, who's in here right now. And it said, if you were stuck on a time travel capable vessel, because that's what Sousa called it. With director Stargate Pioneer, Agent Awesome Engineering Girl, who's Haley, Agent Sithwitch, and Agent Shellgame, and we're trapped in a time loop, would you? Number one option was resign for game over. Nobody said that. So if they're stuck with us, they think they're going to get through somehow. So that's great. Number two was get Haley to fix it. And 55.6% of the respondents chose that. So that's the winner right there. Haley gets to fix everything. The other two options that were put out there was enjoyed Groundhog Day and golf out the back ramp. An obvious <laughs> homage to the window of opportunity Stargate SG-1 episode. So there you go. Haley gets to fix the time jump drive. Of course. 
She can fix the time thingy. It's Haley. She can absolutely fix the time thingy. So we didn't talk about the time thingy and the fix before, but the device that was taken out of Enoch and then put into the time jump to fix it. Did you see how it was actually mounted in there? Looked exactly like a flux capacitor. I know. The uh, set design crew having fun with that. Along the way here, we lost Enoch. If this was the end of a podcast on The Walking Dead, we would now do an homage to those that we lost in the episode, and that was Enoch. And instead of doing that, we're just going to cry our way onto this because we will miss Enoch. R.I.P. Enoch. I just realized that might not have been the best bump music to play right after I said <laughs> Enoch would want us to be happy. He would. He would want us to be family and, and live on together and, and complete our mission. That's what he would want. So I want to thank everybody for continuing to listen and download the show and watch us on YouTube. And if you are watching us on YouTube, a lot of people are liking the video. So thank you very much. If you want to put a comment down below, we will talk about it. In the next show, we really appreciate your feedback because we want to make a show that you really would like. So thank you very much for doing that. And thank you, everybody that has left a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, which you can find at podchaser.com. Thank you to everybody who's given us your feedback or tweeted along during the live tweets. I absolutely love doing the live tweets. I love seeing all of your reactions. And it's just, it's fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you to everyone who interacts with us and listens. We really appreciate it. Until next time, when we talk the fourth to the final episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I am Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Wash your hands, wear a mask. Don't touch your face. Social distance. Believe in science. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hey, sorry, I thought I was in the room and, uh, Yeah, just let me fix the news and I'll be right in. Sure. Did she think she was in the stream yard room or in her closet room? Who knows? (laughs) For her, who knows? Yeah, I was sitting at the couch and I thought I was in the room ready to do the podcast. That would be totally Lauren. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I thought I'd clicked in here and was out picking up stuff for the news and fail.
ended up picking up RX Element 7 today oh. on sale. Yeah? Well, yeah. Uh, what uh, was have, it, 29 bucks or something like that? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to mess with it yet, though. I have it. It's got D-Voice in it, yeah. which is nice. D-Click and um, one other that I use. D-Verb, yeah. maybe? I, something like that. I have, I have Element 6. You have the full suite of Element 6? No. It's, oh, you, you just have Element 6. Got it. Yeah. You don't have RX 6. Yeah, it's. I had five and I jumped to seven. Um, I, I use the 5D click because it seems to work better for me than the seven, but I want the full suite of seven and I should have yeah. gotten it when it was on sale for 99 bucks. But guess what? I'm getting a kid ready to go off to her first college apartment. So fun. Not to mention the $7,500 fix to the wall behind me. They came to measure the windows this morning. So. It's going to take them three weeks to manufacture them and then another week or so to schedule for the install and then probably another week or two for the siding to get redone. And that's best case situations. Who knows if the factory shuts down or if there's going to be any more construction material delay because that's a big thing right now. Yeah. I ran into it when I was just trying to do the back steps. I needed eight boards. It took me an hour and a half to climb Oof. through the pile at the hardware store to get eight boards to redo my steps. Well, if everybody's recording. Yep. 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 Avatar state. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out why I started watching Star Trek The Next Generation today. I started with season three because that's a good season to start with. That is a good season. I think I left off sometime in season four or five. I just got distracted. Yeah, I've started probably about three or four series this year and didn't finish the rewatch. Just life got in the way. Yeah. I finished season one of The Alienist today. Any good? Very good. Yeah, I have. Somebody from GWC was the one who got me into it. We had like a book swap at one of the meetups. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I don't remember who it was, but I picked it up and just adored it. And I have the sequel, but haven't read it yet because I've been having a really hard time focusing enough to read lately. I picked up two series from the GWC meetup. Well, I had already started the series, but I ended it with 3001. Arthur C. Clarke. And then in, in another meetup, it was the the robotics saga. That was a pretty cool part of that meetup. It really was. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.